0: All right, let me invite you to turn to 1 Samuel chapter 7. As we look at a subject, no stone left unturned. Ebenezer, in other words. Ebenezer means a stone of help. I think that everybody needs a stone, an Ebenezer, do they not? A stone of help uh, because we encounter situations in life in which we can't, we can't uh, handle it. And we need help. So let's begin reading in verse 1 through verse 14. And the men of Kerjath jerim came and fetched up the ark of the Lord and brought it into the house of Abinadab in the hill and sanctified Eliezer, his son, to keep the ark of the Lord. And it came to pass while the ark abode in Kerjath jerim that the time was long, For it was twenty years, and all the house of Israel lamented after the Lord. And Samuel spake unto all the house of Israel, saying, If you do return unto the Lord with all your hearts, then put away the strange gods and Ashtaroth from among you, and prepare your hearts unto the Lord, and serve him only. And he will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines." Then the children of Israel did put away Balaam and Ashtaroth, and served the Lord only. And Samuel said, Gather all Israel to Mizpah, and I will pray for you unto the Lord. And they gathered together to Mizpah, and drew water, and poured it out before the Lord, and fasted on that day, and said there, We have sinned against the Lord. And Samuel judged the children of Israel in Mizpah. And when the Philistines heard that the children of Israel were gathered together to Mizpah, the lords of the Philistines went up against Israel. And when the children of Israel heard it, they were afraid of the Philistines. And the children of Israel said to Samuel, Cease not to cry unto the Lord our God for us, that he will save us out of the hand of the Philistines. And Samuel took a sucking lamb, and offered it for a burnt offering holy unto the Lord. And Samuel cried unto the Lord for Israel, and the Lord heard him. And as Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to battle against Israel. But the Lord thundered with a great thunder on that day upon the Philistines, and discomfited them. And they were smitten before Israel." And the men of Israel went out of Mizpah and pursued the Philistines and smote them until they came under Bethkar. Then Samuel took a stone and set it between Mizpah and Shin and called the name of it Ebenezer, saying, Hitherto hath the Lord helped us. So the Philistines were subdued, and they came no more into the coast of Israel. And the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines all the days of Samuel." And the cities which the Philistines had taken from Israel were restored to Israel, from Ekron even unto Gath. And the coast thereof did Israel deliver out of the hands of the Philistines. And there was peace between Israel and the Amorites. Let's have a word of prayer. Our blessed Heavenly Father, in the name of Christ, we call upon you, we bring our needs before your wonderful throne of grace, delighted that we can do so. And we know that we're welcome there because your word declares unto us for us to come boldly to the throne of grace. And so we come tonight uh, seeking you and beseeching you that you would look down upon us that the blessed Holy Spirit would open our hearts as we have opened up your word of grace that would have understanding thereof and make the application that is appropriate for the time. May you be honored and glorified in everything that is said and done. And may your people be blessed and instructed into the paths of righteousness for your name's sake. In the name of Christ, we pray these things. Amen. Now, this is a wonderful story. It gets got a wonderful storyline, and I think the storyline is simply this: that when it comes to the spiritual welfare of his people, God leaves no stone unturned and we are we're going to see that, examine that, and do uh, a study of it to help us to uh, find help in time of need, so to speak. Now, memorials were a pretty common thing and still are in the history of Israel, even in our nation, they're, uh, they're uh, uh, pretty common. We can read about or think about just a couple of them. In Genesis chapter 28, Jacob uh, spent the night at Bethel and he took a stone for a pillar. And after that, he took that stone and made it as a memorial unto the place. Uh, We read uh, uh, later on in the book of Joshua, when Joshua led Israel, the children of Israel, across the Jordan River, he had the priests to take, uh, the the leaders of the tribes to take 12 stones out of the river to the other side, as they went to the other side, and set it up there as a memorial for the passing through of the Jordan. And you can read of many, many others. And as I said, even in our own nation, there are a number of memorials. They're tearing down some of them, but uh, nonetheless, there are still plenty of them left. A memorial to certain uh, characters, a memorial to certain events, and things like that. Well, when we look into this text here, we're going to find a specific memorial that we... uh, Uh, We can cherish in in a rich, rich way. Let's kind of examine the background to this that leads up to our main subject. In verses 1 through 6, we we see that there needs to be some cleaning up done. Uh, The ark had been returned to Israel, but Israel had not returned unto the Lord. So Samuel called them to repentance. Now, it's easy to see in the reading of the Scripture of the Old Testament concerning Israel, they were always getting into a mess. They, were, they would uh, be okay, prosper for a while, but then they'd get fat and sassy, so to speak, and they'd backslide. They'd get into a mess. The Lord would have to deliver them out of it. I heard about a man and his wife and his cantankerous mother-in-law went on a safari to Africa. And uh, everything went fine for a couple of days, and then about the third day, the mother-in-law come up missing. And they set out frantically looking for her, and they found her standing face to face with a lion in an in a open field. And and uh, the man's wife said, what are we going to do? And he said, we're not going to do anything. This lion got himself into this mess, and he can get himself out of it. <laughs> well we we unfortunately, uh, unfortunately we're not treated like that by the Lord or we get into a mess, and the Lord gets us out of it. His grace is sufficient for every need. He giveth more grace is a favorite passage of mine. Well, they put away Israel, put away their foreign gods, and then they met at this place called Mizdah To renew their covenant with the Lord. It was the same spot where Israel uh, received their uh, former loss. Now for years God had been preparing Samuel for this strategic ministry. And he was utilized in rescuing the nation. So there had to be some cleaning up. Now look in verses 7 and 8. There was a looking up. The Philistines thought. That the assembly here at Mizpah was preparation for war, but Israel was not equipped uh, for battle. But God, we know that God's people use spiritual weapons to defeat the enemy. And what we find here is that Samuel prayed and God sent the enemy back in confusion. Now Samuel was born in answer to prayer and he lived in dependence on prayer. And how His prayer life puts many of us to shame, does it not? Here He was. He make it a matter of prayer about uh, everything. It has been said that Christ was more willing to go to the cross than we do to the throne of grace. And I believe that. Uh, I recently heard a man talk about a, a survey that was done. About how many, how long a person, average Christian, spends in prayer per day, and you'll be amazed. Five minutes. The average Christian spends five minutes a day in prayer. Preachers do a whole lot better than that. They spend, on the average, seven minutes. We sing "Sweet Hour of Prayer," but how many of us know of a person who spends an hour a time at prayer? Prayer was something that Samuel depended upon. Now look at verses 9 through 11. There was an offering up. Here was worship. Here was praise. And when God is praised, He is glorified. Look at this Psalms 50 and verse 23. Uh, look Look at this wonderful statement given to us. Whosoever offers praise glorifies me. And to him that orders his conversation aright, will I show the salvation of God. Now, there's a great principle for Christian living. Whoever offers praise is glorifying me, is what the Lord says. And if the Christian will live in obedience to me, I will show that Christian more and more of my great salvation. Now, you you can't beat an offer like that, can you? But do we avail ourselves of that? Walking in a way that is pleasing to the Lord that we might see more and more and more of the wonderful salvation that He has uh, given. Well, every victory that we have is based upon the atoning blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. For you see, that's the foundation of our redemption. Listen to this statement from Revelation 12, verse 11. And they overcame Him by the blood of the Lamb And by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto the death. They overcame. How? By the blood of the Lamb. Uh, There's a hymn that you're probably quite familiar with entitled, God Leads His Dear Children. The course goes like this. Some uh, Some through the water, some through the flood, some through the fire, but all through the blood. And that's, that's certainly true, is it not? Over in the book of Hebrews, chapter 9, there, is, there are three words that not only define the theme of that book, but it also, I think, defines the whole theme of the Bible. Notice this, uh, these three words as we read this verse. But into the second went the high priest alone once every year. Now these three words, not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the errors of the people, that is really the whole theme of the entire Bible. Not without blood. You you don't hear anything like a bloodless gospel. Uh, the the Old Testament and the New Testament is saturated with the blood of the Lamb of God. It is the m- most important thing of all. We sing it, do we not? But do we get calloused? Even though we sing it often, what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Now look at verse 10 and 11. And as Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to battle against Israel. But the Lord thundered with a great thunder on that day upon the Philistines and uh, discomfited them, and they were smitten before Israel. There is power in the blood. And it always has been, and it always will be, power in the precious blood of the Lamb. Now, let's look at verse 12. There was a setting up. Verse 12 tells us, Then Samuel took a stone and set it between Mizpah and Shin and called the name of it Ebenezer, saying, Hitherto hath the Lord helped us. Ebenezer means a stone of help. It was a memorial to God's help in His people from the beginning to that very day. Missionary... J. Hudson Taylor had a plaque in his home and on that plaque he had Ebenezer Jehovah-Jireh. Now if you know, if you've read uh, Genesis 22, you know that that was the occasion of uh, Abraham about to offer Isaac up as an offering under the command of God. And the question was asked, by Isaac to his father, Abraham. My father, here is the wood and the fire. Where is the sacrifice? Where is the lamb for sacrifice? And this is the answer that Abraham gave him. My son, God will provide himself an offering. And he did. We know that he, uh, instead of plunging that knife into his son, Isaac, God stayed his hand and showed him a ram that was caught in the bush. And he offered in the stead of his son Isaac that lamb, uh, that ram. That was a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the place is called Jehovah Jireh. The Lord will provide or the Lord will see to it. So in J. Hudson's uh, Taylor's plaque, Ebenezer, he will see to it. Ebenezer, Jehovah, Jireh. One Ebenezer pertains to the past. He will see to it that takes care of the future. So if God hitherto has helped us, and if He will see to it in regarding to provide for everything else, why do we have to worry about the present? He will see to it. God is still in control and always will be in uh, control. So why worry about the present? Now look at verses 13 and 14 at the outcome of it all. The Philistines were subdued. They came no more into the coast of Israel. And the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines all the days of Samuel. And the cities that the Philistines had captured were restored All the way from Ekron even to Gath and the coast thereof did Israel deliver out of the hands of the Philistines. And there was peace between Israel and the Amorites. Now, the setting up of the stone was done simply as a reminder to the people. The stone had no power or significance other than uh, to stand as a testimony to the power of God. As the people from day to day would walk by that stone, they would be reminded of the glory that took place there. Now, what application can you and I draw from this? How can we relate to this in our own Christian experience? Every one of us, if we bear the name Christian, we need Ebenezer's to help us. We need to be enabled to say, Thus far has the Lord helped us ourselves. So what can, what Ebenezer's might we see in the scripture that relate to us about God's divine help? Let's just think about some experiences in the scripture that would uh, uh, relate to it. I think about the woman at the well. There she was at midday in the heat of the day Why? Because she wanted no one to see her. Why? That, because she was living in a bad situation. She came hoping no one would be there, but it tells us in John chapter 4 at the first start of it, Jesus must needs go through Samaria. Now like what A.W. Pink had to say, he said, because one of his sheep was there. And so he went and he met that woman at midday, confronted her about her situation, and we know that ultimately it it developed into the the great experience that she went running into a town, into her hometown, and said, come see a man who told me the truth about myself. And the people believed her testimony about it. Well, I'd like to think that each time after that she came to the well, she would remember "...encountering the Lord Jesus Christ. Hitherto had the Lord helped her." That was her, Ebenezer. We might think about our soul's salvation, our own soul's uh, salvation. That passage we looked at this morning, Philippians 1.6, describes each child of God. That we can be confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in us will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. We can regard that as an Ebenezer. When we were saved, we could say, Hitherto has the Lord helped me. Or we might think about uh, our security in the Lord Jesus Christ. Over in the book of Romans, chapter 8, that begins with no condemnation and ends with no separation, we find our security. Next time you read the 8th chapter of the book of Romans, look at how many times the word for is used. Each each time F O R uh, Paul uses that, he is presenting another argument for the security, the assurance of our salvation. And when you and I read it we can say Ebenezer thus far has the Lord helped us. Think about the difficult situations we sometimes find ourselves in. And do we not experience from time to time the great truth of Romans chapter 5 verse 20 where it says where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. That will always be the case with the child of God. We stumble, we fall, Uh, we sometimes backslide. But if we belong to the Lord, He'll see to it that though we stumble and fall, we shall not be utterly cast down. Hitherto, Has the Lord helped us? Or we might think about Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 who had the thorn in the flesh. Three times he asked the Lord to remove it. But the Lord finally said, My grace is sufficient for you. Paul responded by saying, Well, I therefore will glory in my tribulation because in weakness I am made strong. Hitherto have I been helped even by weakness. Or affliction or something like that. The psalmist said, Before I was afflicted, I went astray. When we come to the end of the way, the end of life. Remember how the book of the, the last book of the Old Testament ends? It ends with the word curse. In the New Testament, in the last chapter of Revelation, it ends with no more curse. And the New Testament ends with the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. And in between we have a word, a great word of promise in James chapter 4 and verse 6 where it says, He giveth more grace. I tell people, a lot of people over the years who are in dire circumstances, maybe the loss of a loved one, maybe bad news or something like that, to always remember in some form or fashion, he will give more grace. Because God is not going to be outdone. He is, he is obligated to his people. He cares for his people, loves them, cherishes them, delights in them, and he will care for them all of the way. So when it comes to spiritual, the spiritual welfare of his children, God does not leave a stone unturned. Now let's transition a little bit. Look with me over in First Peter chapter two, verses six through eight, and let us see another facet of this. There we read, Wherefore also it is contained in the scripture, Behold I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Unto you therefore which believe he is precious, but unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner. And a stone of stumbling, and a rock of offense. Even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedience, whereunto also they were appointed. Now who is this? Well, this is Jesus, the rock of ages. John Bunyan commenting on a passage of Scripture from Colossians 3.11 where it says Christ is all in all. Made this statement. He said, He who knows this knows what fully satisfies and cheers. He who knows this best has the deepest and truest peace for he has learned the secret of being always a sinner yet always righteous. Always incomplete yet always complete. Always empty yet Yet always full, always poor, and yet always rich, why? Because we stand on the rock, the rock of ages is our comfort, he is our shield, he is our all and all we read we sing uh, we sang it this morning, come thy fount of every blessing, but verse two, here I raise mine, Ebenezer, hitherto, hither by thy help, I'm come. And I hope by thy, thy good pleasure safely to arrive at home. Jesus sought me when a stranger, wandering from the fold of God, he to rescue me from danger, interposed his precious blood, the rock of ages. That rock, Jesus, is pictured for us in the Old Testament many, many times. 1 Corinthians 10.4 says, that, And that rock was Jesus. The rock in the wilderness, of which when the people were thirsting for water, God told Moses, strike the rock. And Moses did, and the water came forth. That was a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. Later on, again, they needed water. And God told Moses, speak to the rock. But Moses struck the rock, and because of that, he he suffered the consequences of it. Because Jesus was to be smitten only one time. Not twice and not more than once. Jesus Christ is the rock of ages and he is a comfort and consolation to the spiritual welfare of his people. Someone made this statement said, what a retrospect that uh, will that be at the end of life's journey. The rough paths, the jagged precipice, the valleys of humiliation All will be seen to have been bathed in the luminous light of God's love. There will be nothing more but to erect earth's farewell monument and to carve upon it Ebenezer. Hitherto has the Lord helped us. If you need an Ebenezer, let me give you one of my favorites. Romans chapter 8, verse 28 and following. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love the Lord, who, to those who are the called of the Lord. For whom He did foreknow, He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among, uh, among the creation. Moreover, whom He did predestinate, them He also called, and whom He called, them He also justified, and whom He justified, them He also glorified. What shall we say to these things? Well, I say, Amen. What about you? Amen. If God be for us, who can be against us? Hitherto has the Lord helped us. He that spared not His own only Son, but delivered Him up for us all, how shall He not also with Him freely give us all Things. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that does the justifying. Who is he that will condemn? It is Christ that died. Yea, rather that is risen again, who is at the right hand of God, making intercession for us. What shall separate us from the love of God? And he names every possible situation and comes to this resolution. I am persuaded, I've come to a fixed conclusion that none of these things can ever separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. To me, that is one of the greatest Ebenezer's that you can find in the Scripture. And it is given to us for our comfort and for our consolation. Hitherto has the Lord helped us. He will see to it. If you're going through a trying time, remember the great promise from our text. Remember the Word of God's grace that He said, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you. And in the original language that is, I will never, no, never, no, never leave you nor forsake you. With such promises as were given in the Word of God, our way should be a way of rejoicing in the wonderful salvation of God. The psalmist asked this question, or requested of the Lord in Psalms 35 and verse 3, Say unto my soul, I am thy salvation. And hasn't he answered that question in a multitude of ways, a multitude of promises. I am thy salvation. And our response should be, I will rejoice in your salvation. Let's pray. Our Father, thank You for such a great salvation. We pray in the name of Christ that we might treasure it, take pleasure in it, rejoice in it, honor You for it, superabound in our thanksgiving to You for it. We pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that You might send forth the word of grace to a heart that might stand in need of Ebenezer. Hitherto, as the Lord helped us, and the promises, the great promises attached to that principle of truth given to us in the Scripture. Now we pray in the name of Christ that you'll be honored and glorified in everything that's been said and done. We ask it all in Christ's name. Amen.